Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Hello. Oh, hi. Just wondering where this door leads to. Uh, hi, Ange. Um, hi. Ange, you've been working here for like ever. Oh. It gives you access to the stage. Oh, that's right. It does give me access to the stage. Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank you for welcoming me through this door. No worries. I do appreciate that. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. <laughs> that was not cheesy at all. My name's Ange, for those that uh, haven't met yet this morning, and I serve on staff here um, as the worship pastor and the young adult pastor. I'm really glad to be here with you this morning because I'm really excited to share a message that's been on my heart. So um, I'm wanting to ask you a question. How often do we think about a doorway and its value? Probably not very much, unless it's not working properly, correct? Think about this morning before you got here today. How many doors do you think you would have accessed to get here this morning? Now, you've got to think about all the doors, not just the front door, the closet door, the fridge door, the cupboard door. You can give me a tally at the end if you want. There's probably quite a few doors that you accessed. A door open gives you access to something, to the outdoors, to a closet, to your car, maybe you got in your car as you drove here today. It gave you access to enter this building today. And a door shut can help protect those that are outside from what's inside. So you think about the zoo. I'm very thankful there's doors on the cages so the animals can't come out and greet me in person. A door shut is a place of privacy. I'm very thankful also for the toilet doors. And they can keep things safe and secure inside, like your belongings or your family or even yourself. And a few years ago, one really hot summer night, probably similar maybe to yesterday's weather, we decided to lock our front door but open our patio door to allow a breeze to come in so that our young children at the time wouldn't get too hot in the night. So we left the door open. And at night, while we were sleeping, I heard a sound in, in, our, in our house. And I thought, oh, those kids must be up again. They would get up in the middle of the night. And for some reason, in this one moment, I decided to let themselves put themselves to bed. Because I felt like, we do this every night, this could be a night that they could just do it on their own. I hope they just go back to bed. So I was just kind of laying there waiting to see if they would come into our room. Well, I fell back asleep. And then I remember waking up a little bit because I heard the neighbor's car drive away. And in the morning when I woke up, I stepped out of our bedroom and I thought, it's so weird. All the doors are wide open in our house. Why are all the doors wide open? I wandered out the front door and I looked out into our driveway and was like, huh, our car's gone. That's not good. Wait a second. What's happening? And it takes a while for your mind to catch up. And I 
notice, and I told Lee right away, and he was able to deal with all that stuff and everything and help us with that. But I realized it was actually a very vulnerable, exposing experience for me. It felt strange to have someone in your house that wasn't welcomed in. It felt strange to have someone step inside that wasn't expected to be there. The door left open meant anyone could come in. And thank goodness God kept us safe overnight. So you might be saying to me now, and why are we talking about doors? Um, This January, we are going through a series focusing on the I am statements of Jesus. And last week, Tim shared about the I am the good shepherd, which goes really good hand in hand with this week's message, which is I am the door. Jesus says, I am the door. In many versions, it says, I am the gate, but it's the same thing. I am the door, I am the gate. So we're going to read John 10, 1 to 10. And first, I want to explain to you a little bit about who Jesus is talking to and why he's talking to them. Um, In this passage, Jesus is speaking to Pharisees, and they're the religious leaders of the time, kind of like what you would call the church leaders of the time. And they're a little bit hesitant to believe that Jesus is really the Messiah that he's claiming to to be, that they had been waiting for for years. Because Jesus was doing unorthodox things like healing people, yes, so he would do miracles, but he would do them on the Sabbath, which was against their law. So could this really be a Messiah that has come that isn't actually following the laws? That can't be right. That can't, you can't be the Messiah. So they had many questions for Jesus. And previous to this passage, Jesus had just healed a blind man on the Sabbath. So there was heaps of questions that they asked in this time. And Jesus attempts to explain to them whose authority he's come in. And he delivers these I am statements to define and to declare who he really is and what his purpose is for. So we're going to read this together, John 10, 1 to 10. If you have your Bibles, follow along or on your phones, or you could read on the screen. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus used this vigorous speech, but the the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, make it simple. I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love that Jesus had to simplify his message even more for the Pharisees to understand, but they still didn't. So why was Jesus saying he was the gate or he was the door? Back in those days when he used this explanation, it was when the shepherds would take their sheep to pasture 
They would be gone for days or weeks or maybe even months, and there wasn't housing out in the middle of the countryside. But they had built these circular stone structures that the shepherds would use to house the sheep and keep them safe at nighttime. They were called the sheepfold. And they had sometimes put thorns and briars on the top of them to keep predators out from coming over the wall. And these stone structures, as you can see, didn't have any doors. But it's been said that the shepherd would sit or lay down in the doorway and literally be the doorway to keep the predators out and to keep the sheep in and safe and secure. They would lay down their lives for the sheep. So when Jesus states that he is the door, this is something that they would understand. He's saying that he is the one that lays down his life. He is saying that he is the one that guards the door from predators. He is the one who keeps the sheep safe. Who, who are the sheep? Us, the disciples, the disciples. He is the one who gives access to who can enter. But access to what? What does Jesus give us access to? The Pharisees were confused. Are we confused? Do we know what we have access to? John 14, 6, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to God. No one can access God except through Jesus. Ooh, what does that mean? How does Jesus give us access to God? If you think about the Old Testament, because the people of God were nomadic, they traveled around quite a bit. They would carry their tabernacle with them. This is their worship center. And they had specific instructions on how to build it. And inside you would find this inner room. And it was called the Holy of Holies or the Most Holy Place. And this is the place where God would dwell. And because God is so holy and so perfect and so pure and so righteous, no one could enter into that space. No one could enter into his presence for fear of dying because of our own sin and their own unrighteousness. There was only one that was allowed, and that was the high priest. And it was once a year on the Day of Atonement. And they had to follow a rigorous cleansing ritual and bring blood sacrifices in before they were even allowed to enter. And sometimes they wouldn't even come back out. The presence of God would remain shielded behind this thick curtain that kept God's holy place pure and his people safe from certain death. But it also meant that there was a separation between God and man. When God sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, as Jules was telling us about, that was God loving us so much that he gave us a way through that curtain to have direct access to God's presence, direct access to God. And it says in scripture that when Jesus died, that curtain was torn in two. Matthew 27, Jesus is on the cross dying, verse 50. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Jesus' death paid for our sin. 
His payment made us pure and righteous. And that meant that that curtain was split in half and God became accessible to us through Jesus' sacrifice. He gave us full access to enter that holy of holies, the most holy place, to dwell with God. Amen? This should be very exciting as believers of Christ. This should be something that we cannot contain ourselves telling others about. We have direct access to God. Not only for future, when we go to heaven for all eternity, but here and now. We have access to God and his kingdom here today. Jesus' death purified us so that we could dwell with God. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers and sisters... Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, which is Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us draw near to God. We can be washed clean. We can be purified through the confession of our sins and through repentance. What is confession? Confession is simply bringing all that is hidden into the light. And repentance is purely living a new way, turning your back on the way that you were living before and saying, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to choose to live like this instead. And it says in his word, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Acts three nineteen. repent then, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Folks, we have direct access to the holy of holies, to dwell with God. What a gift. The second point I want to make this morning is watch out for the thief. John 10 in John chapter 10, verses 1, 8, and 10, he speaks about the thief and the robber. The thief and the robber climbs in by some other way. The thief and the robbers were those that came before Jesus and said that they were the Messiah. The thief will come only to steal and to kill and destroy. Who is the thief and the robber? In the original Greek text, the words thief and the words robber had other meanings behind the word. Thief indicated stealing something, yes, but done in secret, in hidden. They were more stealthy and sly. They would often be in disguise. They were cunning and very, very devious. You might not even recognize them when they came to you, that they were the enemy. And the robber not only steals as well, but indicates a, a level of force and, and violence as well. There is in, intended harm to get whatever they want. And they weren't necessarily doing that in hiding. So on one hand, we had the cunning, sly, devious thief in the night. And on the other, you have the forceful, dangerous, vicious predator of the day. And Jesus was referring to the false teachers of the time. And he was calling 
the Pharisees false teachers, people who were pretending that before him that were pretending to be the Messiah or leaders that were more concerned with the law or having power and influence over someone else. They were the Pharisees who were misrepresenting what it meant to be a disciple. And they didn't even recognize Jesus as the Messiah as he stood before them. False teachers today might say things like, all roads lead to heaven. Have you heard that one before? And the Bible clearly says, narrow is the road. False teachers might say that we can get to heaven by how good we are, by our good works. The Bible says, it's not by your works, but it's a gift that God has given us. False teachers might say that Jesus wasn't really fully God and he wasn't really fully human. That's not possible. But Philippians 2 says he was God in nature, but he also humbled himself to human likeness and became a man. False teachers might practice religious law consistently rather than hearing God's word and putting it into practice. And Jesus warns that even some of these teachers and prophets will appear like true disciples. But watch closely, he says, to see. Are they doing the will of the Father? Do they produce fruit? It says in Matthew 7, 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. And verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? And Jesus says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The road to access life is a narrow gate. It is not popular. It is not the easy way. And in verse 13, before the, the scriptures I just read, it says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. But only a few find it. And that's why it's so important to know God, not just know of him. We need to know the truth. Am I being lied to? Are these true disciples? Have they entered the narrow gate? We need to ask questions. We need to have conversations to see if there is fruit. We need to be alert. 1 Peter, Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I wonder if these days it doesn't take very much to devour us, to convince us to be drawn away from God, to deceive us into believing lies, to confuse us in our purpose as disciples, to destroy our relationship that we have with God just because we don't know the truth or we forget. And if we go back to our John 10 passage we were looking at today, those that were really followers, those that were really disciples of Jesus, are not distracted by the thieves and the robbers. Interesting. We spend a lot of time focusing on them, but they're not distracted by them. Verse 8, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. 
if they're really his sheep, they're not going to be focusing on them. They're going to be focusing on the shepherd. They don't even hear them or pay attention. And in verse 9, it says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And this passage about coming in and going out isn't about coming in and going out of salvation. This is about sheep living in freedom because they know who their shepherd is. And this confidence says that no matter where I am in the safety of the fold or looking for pasture out in the world, with the shepherd leading and guiding us, there is no reason to fear or worry of what I might face. Because we are safe under the authority of Jesus Christ, the shepherd. This power and confidence is not in being safe, but being saved. This power and confidence is about a comfortable life, but a life of purpose and, and intention. This, this power and confidence is in a prosperous life on earth. That's proof that God must love me. But it's about the power we receive from him as his children. Will we still face battles and hardships? Yes. Will we still be victims of atrocity and corruption? Yes. But it says in Ephesians 6, our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So our battle is not against people who have done us wrong and their transgressions and their misbehavior or their sin. If you want to get mad and you want to fight, fight the prince of darkness. Fight the father of lies, the wolf that comes in the sheep's clothing. Fight the power of evil that prowls around looking for ways to draw sheep away and devour them. Fight to, for those that are destroying their relationships with God. Fight for that. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And Jesus has come, he said, that we might have life and have it to the full. Oh, that sounds good. What's that? This doesn't mean you're going to have a safeguard that makes it exclusive from having to deal with any trials or hardships. I'm sorry to say. It's not going to be a perfect, easy life. Our exclusive past gives us access, though, to someone that others don't have access to. Unless they, too, use the door. Our path to freedom not only gives us life, but life to the full. And life to the full is knowing that even in hardships, even in difficulties, we have access to the Father and his kingdom forever. And we have access to the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide us as we journey. That we, have, that we can call upon his power as children of God. We have access to move in freedom because we are no longer slaves to sin. Romans 6 says for that we, we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. A life to the full is a life that is free from sin and one that has taken advantage of using that door to gain access to the Father. And today we have full access to God through the sacrifice of Jesus. We just have to use the door. The door won't follow you around hoping you'll fall in. 
You need to be active. You have to walk through. And you, that's you saying, yes, Jesus, please give me access to God. I realize I'm a sinner and I don't want to be a slave to sin anymore. Lord, cleanse me from my sin. Give me eyes to see that deceptive thief, the dangerous robber who's looking to steal and to kill and destroy. And show me how to live a life that honors you. Purify me, oh God, so I don't have to be separated from you anymore. Let us dwell with you, God, the most high. Yeah? That's what we have access to. Let's stand as we pray. And the band can come back up. Lord God, we thank you for sending us your son to pay the price. For loving us so much, God, that you made a way that you made a way through that curtain so that we could dwell with you every single day. We have access to you every single day. Thank you for being that gate for us, Jesus. Thank you for sacrificing yourself so that we can live freely today. Help us, Lord, to be mindful of the enemy, to, to not be deceived so that we can see what he's doing and stand firm. Help us to dwell with you, God, not reside beside you or just come to you when we need something, but actually live in relationship with you and invite you into our place, space, Father, but also that we won't fear being in your space with you. Show us, Lord, what needs to be cleansed, what things we need to confess, Show us, Lord, how to repent, how to live a new way, God. And lead us in that way, everlasting God. We thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.